Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the TV shows of 1999 from Flat Point High here in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Philisco. And with us today is Meredith Blake, an entertainment writer. Entertainment. I, she told me like two things to say, and I said something that wasn't a staff <laughs> writer, reporter. entertainment journalist sure. from the LA Times, a real publication. Take mm-hmm. that, IndieWire. Oh. <laughs> oh my. We love we love IndieWire. We 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 have we they don't know it yet, but we are feuding with them. Yeah, no, not really. But sort of. Well, they don't know it. <laughs> they don't know it, and uh, they'll never know it. But I do I'll think let that them know. I'll let them know. I'll... <laughs> Did you let them know? That'd no, be great. I, you should tweet at them, to. Kenny. Yeah, say we're no. coming for you. They treated our friend poorly. They did treat our friend very poorly. Um, so. Meredith, uh, I reached out to you to, to, to come on this podcast. We're incredibly thankful that you found the time to do so. <laughs> and this was the show that you were like, I would love to come on to talk about Strangers with Candy. Yes. Um, so what's your history with Strangers with Candy? Did you, were you one of the few that watched this in 1999? <laughs> was um, I one of the 11 people watching yeah. it? Um. <laughs> I, actually, you, I mean, it is a brilliant show, a show that if I'm being completely frank, I have never seen before. I've heard of it. Um, Kenny, I think we're in the same boat in terms of it being sort of this, or maybe you had seen it. Oh, no, I'd never seen it. Okay. I had heard of it. I mean, I Same. there was, it was, it was on, if I remember correctly, Meredith, you might, uh, 
correct me on this, but I think he was actually on kind of in that weekday afternoon slot. And <laughs> oh, he, and the reruns say, maybe or the or the no, it was oh, okay. it was all right. So so it was heavily promoted on Comedy Central, and I was watching Comedy Central a decent amount. There, I think maybe it was like I was watching. I don't know, maybe Daily Show or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of promotion for it, and it always really turned me off. <laughs> um, well, the aesthetics of it without context would probably be a little bit unsettling. It's jarring. You're just like, who is this strange-looking woman, and why should I watch this bizarre show? Why is yeah. she in high school? Yes, and why does her hair look like that? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think I was I actually didn't watch it at the time. I did watch a fair amount of Comedy Central in that period. You know, this was like the um, South Park early John Stewart days. Um, Comedy Central, I think, was having a moment, and I also remember a similar feeling of like. I don't know what that weird show is. I vaguely knew who she was because I think because of her brother, David Sedaris, but I think I also kind of confused Amy Sedaris with Amy Poehler, who I knew from other things. So it was like funny ladies. I mean, they look a little similar. They do a little bit. And then I, um, a few, I was always sort of aware of it, but this was also, you know, the late nineties, a time when you could be aware of something and just never get around to watching it. And then it would just go away (laughs) (laughs) or you'd have to wait for like a cable marathon or something. Um, and I, a few years later, I, um, my roommate, when I was living in Brooklyn was a huge fan and we, um, just watched it endlessly. I think we both got like a season or two at the Virgin Megastore on DVD because that's how you would watch stuff in 2004. And, um, we would just watch it constantly on repeat, you know, when we were hungover on Saturday afternoon. Um, and that's really I feel where like I there are people in Brooklyn right now dressing like Jerry Blake. Like oh, that feels absolutely. to me like a thing that like her look is probably huge in Williamsburg. Right <laughs> yes. yeah. Like the awkward high-waisted pants and kind of like yes. normcore <laughs> sweatshirts yeah. and turtlenecks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Jerry is if a the style hair comes icon. Back. If the hair goes back, then we'll know we're really in the in the Jerry Blanca sauce, <laughs> and we're really in trouble. Yeah, yeah. It, so yeah, I think I mean for uh, yeah, there was something I found very off putting about the show. Um, <laughs> in, in in based on the the ads back in 1999, mm-hmm. and also it was you know like so much of 1999, Entertainment Weekly was my my guru and my uh, my Sherpa through my my entertainment travels and i don't think that they talked about this a lot i don't think they got it i don't don't think a lot of people got it i don't think they got it and i mean you know there's a show that came out it's not a very obscure show i don't know why i'm presenting like this but (laughs) about five or six years later the sarah silverman program came out on uh on comedy central um which has the same kind of anything goes ethos and the same kind of let's pick a game early in the episode and elaborate upon it over and over again Mm -hmm. throughout the episode uh and i loved that show um i watched every episode multiple times and and couldn't get enough and my sense is strangers with candy really would have succeeded about like wildly about five or six years later when the culture was ready for it and i i just i don't i think this was you know i i i i i'm not always a big fan of the term ahead of its time i think that's you're you're very lucky if you were ahead of your time you had no idea what was going to happen but this was you know genuinely ahead of its time and that Mm -hmm. this is 
this kind of gonzo do anything, you know, uh, take a joke, run with it as far as it can go. Uh, humor became really big in the 2000s. All the stuff I watched in the 2000s that I thought was brilliant feels like a, a, a offspring of this show. Yeah, you know, I, I, I it's interesting because, I mean, first and foremost, Meredith, I'm from Toronto originally, so I didn't have um, Comedy Central. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, until obviously I moved down here. And so um, Comedy Central, there were things that would matriculate up to up to Canada, and I believe that this was one of those things. But I, I wanted to just talk for a second about Comedy Central because I do think that it's sort of, you mentioned it earlier that it was having a moment, it feels mm-hmm. like. I mean, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart starts in 99 as well. This was year one of Jon Stewart. Right. So yeah. Daily Show hadn't really become what it became, obviously, until a couple of years later, I would argue. I mean, it was not sort of from the moment Jon Stewart did it well, that it was, you know. Just real quick on The Daily yeah, Show. Yeah, please. I, please. I mean, not, not to, you know... Not to no, I, I, I laud Craig Kil- not to log Craig Kilborn, but the Daily Show, even when it just kind of came up with Craig Kilborn, was yeah. a revelation. Okay, um, it wasn't what it became later with John Stewart, where it actually was kind of the paper of record for the country for about fifteen years. But it really, Craig, the Craig Kilborn version was widely watched, and it was influential, yeah. and it was a very important show. And John Stewart taking it over uh, was people didn't know what to, what to do with that. Right. Right. You know, cause his John Stewart show kind of failed. Remote control was, you know, it's not a real show. And it did take a few, few years for people to realize, Oh no, this guy's the smartest man in America. And we're blessed to have him run, you know, the show. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. but yes, I think, I think that the, the comedy central thing, and I mentioned this on a podcast recently, mm-hmm. comedy central in the early nineties was a, uh, no pun intended joke. Um, it's where bad comedians went to do their sets and uh, right. it was awkward and uncomfortable. And then around the mid nineties, uh, it started to get some really kind of interesting content. I mean, daily shows, definitely one mm-hmm. of them. Sure. South Park's definitely one of them. And, you know, strangers with candy clearly is also one of these shows that didn't feel like, you know, comedy central for a while felt like it didn't even, you know, know what kind of comedy it wanted to be. And then it kind of, figured out that it was going to be edgy alternative comedy and that well because it's to your point kenny it starts with like they had mystery science theater 3000 uh they obviously had kilborn on on daily show uh they had dr katz professional therapist bill stein's money uh they had a lot of rerun spaces they had they had speaking of canada they had kids in the hall (laughs) they had which is where i first started watching it and they had um absolutely fabulous which i watched yeah. when i was like 13 and understood like 10 percent of the jokes um <laughs> but you know i think it was sort of a a little bit of a wasteland of like acquisitions and reruns from other countries totally. and then they sort of slowly started moving into the scripted stuff and they had they had um politically incorrect which everyone sort of forgets about for a yeah. couple of years and yeah, that was did. in the yeah. the daily show time slot so they started dabbling in comedy and i would say they they'd sort of maybe staked out a tentative brand as like irreverent, politically incorrect comedy at the time. Um, but, you know, it was still very much like a, um, you know, a marginal network where you could do what you wanted on a very small budget. Um, and that's kind of what they did. <laughs> it is <laughs> you know? interesting too. Tell that what they still are. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so Viacom buys them in 03. 
And I feel mm-hmm. like that's a sea change, which is interesting because I don't necessarily think of Viacom as a particularly edgy corporation by any means. And yet it does usher in what you're talking about, Kenny. It ushers in uh, The Chappelle Show. It ushers in Reno 911, South Park. That's the stuff that really builds the brand of Comedy yeah. Central. Sarah Silverman program. Sarah Silverman program as well, obviously. You know, and then Colbert Report being the, the spinoff and all that kind of stuff. It is, it is fascinating that... Um, it's one of the myriad of, of networks, I would argue, that that for reasons that are beyond me, has been kind of left to twist in the wind over the last five to ten years. Um, MTV being the other one, where I'm just sort of like, why did you guys just kind of let these things just die? Um, you know, and and it's just it's it's bizarre. Now it's all sort of baked into Paramount Plus, whatever Paramount Plus is in terms of its branding. And, you know, it's it's just, it's it, it's a fascinating thing. And it does feel like Strangers with Candy, which, you know, is on, you know, Paramount Plus if people want to watch it, um, <clears throat> was one of those things that just kind of got lost in this transition, in this kind of early late 99, early 2000s, when the, the branding of Comedy Central wasn't really codified yet. And I feel like, to Kenny's point, had this been a thing, that came up with the Reno 911s of the world, I think that it could have been a big hit. It's, 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 it's a shame that it wasn't. But I'll also say, too, that um, it's cult classic bona fides that it has now. You know, I, I tweeted yesterday about it, I having never seen it, and, and a bunch of people were just like, I'm just so excited for you to have watched this now. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you know it, it is, it does feel like a thing that's almost more special if you will perhaps yeah. because of it do you I, so yeah please Sorry, go ahead, Mary. no i i completely agree and it is um and i'm just thinking i'm getting a little ahead of myself here but i it's also this show that's sort of inspired by a thing that was like a cult thing yes. that some people yes. knew about um and you you uh-huh. can enjoy the show without totally understanding that backstory but i think um there is something that makes it all the more special um you know when you're one of the cherished few who understand it and know it really well and find someone else who's seen it and loves it. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons that it hasn't really, um, even though it's still beloved by a lot of people, entered kind of the TV canon is just the vagaries of like rights and stuff, you know, like I, it wasn't streaming until recently, you know, you had to buy the DVD and who wants to buy a DVD? Um, so I think that's, that's kind of part of it, but I do yeah. think, um, it is weirdly ahead of its time. I could see it sort of existing on, I was actually thinking about this before. I was like, where would the show possibly have existed? And I was like, maybe IFC in like 2015 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. alongside like Portlandia <laughs> and all these other sort yeah. of aggressively weird um, <laughs> kind of satirical shows that are also not really, not really a straight satire, if that's a thing, um, yeah. you know, because Strangers with Candy is ostensibly a, a spoof of after-school specials, yeah. but it isn't really that straightforward. It's much stranger and um, more <laughs> twisted and surreal than that, and that's it, what makes well, it so yeah. great. It feels I think, like that's yeah, how you sell it, right? Yeah. It feels like yes. that's how you, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the pitch, yeah. but within five minutes, it's so far gone from there. Uh, <laughs> and And thank God, too, because like the after school special, you know, in 1999, I was 17 and I never watched an after school special. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a thing when we were, you know, when I was growing up. So uh, that is a reference that it, the, the, the reference I get is the, the reference 
to the reference, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. It's like a cultural shorthand and we understand what it means without ever having yeah. watched it. I don't and, think I ever saw one. <laughs> and usually, and usually derisively, right? So yeah. it's, you know, we, I already get that after school specials are lame. You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, yeah. have a, have a show making fun of them for me to understand that this is a lame thing. Uh, but that's, you know, I said to Phil, there was a, there was a time, I mean, when I moved out here where this is the kind of show I wanted to make, you know, this show where you can just take a little nugget and let it grow, uh, germinate, go wherever you, you wanted it to. And all the shows that I was really, really inspired by when I was younger, before I you know moved into teen drama, um, <laughs> we're like, I mean, wonder shows in and harvey Birdman and um sure. these you know sarah silverman and community and these these wacky shows that just broke the rules and it's really you know i i do feel like this is one of the first things that moved from independent shorts uh chicago stage that kind of stuff to an actual very small tv network uh and i i I feel like I missed it. I feel like I should have given it a shot when I was a younger man. You know, I think it's interesting too. Cause like I was talking to a friend about that. I was going to do this episode and she was like, it's a sketch show. Right. And I was like, no, I don't think it is. But I think that I, I didn't know at the time, but I, as I was watching it, I understand why people made that association to some degree or another. Yeah. Like, I think it's clumped in with, your kids in the halls and your, your Sarah Silverman shows and your what have you's, um, you know, that, that had this kind of sketchy. Well, Sarah Silverman wasn't sketch either. It was. Right. It was this. Right. But I, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is the no, the sort of like no holds barred, no rules. You can kind of do whatever you want to do. I understand <laughs> the association that people make to sketch with that because sketch also, obviously there's really kind of no uniform thing this has a plot Sarah Silverman had a plot like had a had a superstructure if you will in terms of like what it was um but it is interesting how to your to your point Kenny you know the whole scared straightness thing of like an after school (laughs) special um only really works generationally right like the reason this sells in a room to comedy central is because those executives are of an age that they're like oh I remember after school specials you I don't know that you could sell this today. Like, I don't know that that superstructure necessarily works today. I think it kind of works in its moment. Um, but I, I, but I also think, yeah, go ahead. At this point, it's almost a joke on a joke on a joke. Right, right, right. You could, you could, you could do it, but you would all. You, I don't even know how far you could go. But you, you, you could strange the candy went really far. But yeah, it, you're you're getting you're you're really getting. Into, <laughs> You're really getting into some like, you know, Heat Vision and Jack type. Yes. We, <laughs> nothing really, nothing really counts anymore. You know, yeah. there's no gravity in this world type situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to give a very quick synopsis for the people that haven't watched Strangers with Candy. The series main character, Geraldine Antonia, uh, <laughs> Jerry Black, a blank, that is, uh, played by Amy Sedaris, was a junkie whore runaway returning to high school as a freshman at age 46 at the fictional Flatbush, sorry, Flat Point High School, home of the Concrete Donkeys, in the town of, <laughs> town of Flat Point. Uh, Jerry ran away from home donkeys. and became 
a boozer, a loser, and a user after dropping out of high school as a teenager supporting her drug habits through prostitution, stripping, and larceny. She has been to prison several times the last time she, quote-unquote, stole the TV. Every episode features... <laughs> Which is a tagline in the season two op- opening oh. credits that will stay in your mind for all, forever and ever. God, Sorry, go ahead. So, so every episode features a warped theme or more or less and ends with the cast and other feature actors from the episode Dancing. The last episode features Flatpoint being turned into a strip mall because the show was canceled to make room for a TV show called Strong. <laughs> uh, in, two, in 2007, Strangers Candy was ranked number 30 on TV Guide's top cult TV shows ever. Um, and in terms of, you you sort of alluded to this earlier, Meredith, in terms of the, the flashpoint and the development of the show. But basically, the series was first envisioned by Amy Sedaris as a parody of after-school specials. And while she was putting together a pitch for the series, her friends Paul Danello and Stephen Colbert watched a bootleg of a straight, a scared straight type public surface film called The Trip Back, in which a motivational speaker named Flory Fisher, uh, <laughs> who among other things, recalled her days as a New York prostitute to a group of high school students. <laughs> Seeing that Fisher strongly resembled their friend Amy Sedaris, they showed her a copy of the tape and suitably she was impressed. They did an imitation, she did an imitation of Fisher and began developing the show basically from that. Um, I love there's these two quotes that I need to read. Uh, there was a, <clears throat> a GQ article where they did sort of a very mini oral history of the show. And Siva Colbert said that Amy had a cupcake business. She would be sitting on the floor frosting cupcakes to sell at bakeries and go, what about, and have the perfect thing. We'd say, say that again. And she'd go, what did I say? I mean, that as a compliment. <laughs> she was sort of like an idiot savant. And then, <laughs> and then Sidera said, they got the video at Kim's video in the East Village. She looked like Mike Dukakis. <laughs> he goes, I think you should do this woman. And she had the idea that she goes back to high school and Stephen had the idea that I would learn the wrong lesson. And I said, okay, she'll be a junkie whore this time. I told the hair and makeup people I want to look like a professional golfer. I told the wardrobe I want to look like I own a snake. And that's all I gave them. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a good note. It's It's a brilliant note. She's amazing. And it really does. I mean, it's it's so funny because like, you know, Kenny and I have been in situations in rooms and what have you, where like the planets align, right? And like all the people are bringing a thing to the table and you're all just like, this is, it it is that synergistic, unbelievable, wonderful moment where it feels like it's lightning in a bottle. And you sense that with this, you sense that it's the right people seeing the right thing at the right time. And it's just it's it's so special it's it's tremendous you you sense and this is why i'm i'm smirking you sense it happened all the time well that's like, it. Like, sure, sure. like easy right yeah, yeah, whereas yeah. like it's something yeah. you're chasing for like days and days and days of you know in a normal yeah. room setting but i don't know i mean these people are like beyond belief brilliant uh as but don't you also over think over again don't you also think that because they notoriously had like no notes <laughs> Because like Comedy Central <laughs> at the time was just sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah go go do it, everyone. Do it. Do it. I'm sure that this cost like five dollars. Yeah, they didn't have any execs; just the guy who plus pre- press play on the VHS. I mean, kind <laughs> of. I mean, they shot the show in an abandoned uh, high press play somewhere. Like they just, it was, it had no sort of like there was nothing really containing the quote unquote madness, and I say that with nothing but obviously love. And I just do wonder, I mean, maybe in 2003, 2004, they would have been given their shot to do this as well. I mean, Sarah Silverman obviously was, and other people were given that chance. But 
I think the lack of notes you really feel right like you mm-hmm. as you're watching this you're just like I kind of can't believe this got made mm-hmm. yeah In I the mean there's way. a lot yeah there's a lot of it that I think some of the off-color humor might not fly today sure, I'm sure, sure that it wouldn't um there's a lot of jokes that just wouldn't pass in 2022 for better or for worse um but you you can sense that they were just kind of left alone to their own devices and um sometimes that leads to brilliant weirdness as it did in this case you know um this i think the third episode is um a spoof of uh well it's not even a spoof jerry gets cast as mama in uh, raisin in the sun um which is just i didn't watch so the funny third one. Uh, and, <laughs> i watched the and, first two and i was just like but the third one that sounds incredible yes and and it triggers (laughs) and anyway she so she's playing you know jerry this 46 year old uh white woman is playing mama a a black woman impoverished woman in the south side of chicago and her mother her stepmother character um you know this dredges up all these horrible memories for her stepmother who used to be an actress um and she goes on a alcoholic bender so yeah anyway that's a long way of saying like they were just doing whatever the hell they wanted and Clearly, the network lawyers weren't too um, worried about pushback from the audience because I guess there wasn't really one. <laughs> you know, um, I, and I, I wanted to just quickly, I, 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 there was very little pushback that goes that you could sense that from every scene. Like every scene has um, such a, I mean, and again, this is kind of the kids in the hall sketchiness in the sense mm-hmm. of, feeling like, and it's what you were saying, Kenny, of this comedy can go anywhere. Like, it's almost dangerous, right? Like, it can do things that you're just unsure of. And I do think that, like, you do see it with South Park, but it's animation, so it's a slightly different thing. Like, this is live action, real people in real situations, makes it feel that much more um, sort of electric. But I but I also just wanted to talk about Colbert for a quick second, because, like, this is, yeah. this is where he cuts his teeth. This is where he sort of, be, you know, becomes who he becomes, then he's on The Daily Show, and you know, he is who he is now. And I, I adore him. I think that, um, I think he's the best. And one of the things that I find really fascinating about him too, is while making this show, he's living in a church, literally living mm-hmm. in like this apartment monastery, in a church, monastery right? Yeah. With his <laughs> wife and his, and his first child. Um, the way he puts it, he's like, they had running water and <laughs> I was happy. And I'm just like, what an amazing man who is, deeply religious and yet makes this kind of comedy does what he does i just i i just i wish there were more of them like i wish that there were that he could that that to him it's like this is my belief system i believe what i believe whatever but i'm gonna make a show that's basically straight up about abortion and like it's it's amazing well he's just he's just the best and the smartest he's yes he's just he's he's like you know we we did Bruno, and I feel this way about Sasha Baron sure. Cohen to some extent. Though sure. I think he misses a lot more than Stephen Colbert. There are just these people yeah. who are just beyond belief evolved when it comes to their way with words and the ability mm-hmm. to say not just the right thing but the literal <laughs> best thing in every scenario. And I I mean I actually I don't I don't know how people feel about this in general. I strongly prefer Stephen Colbert's human form to his Colbert report form. Mm-hmm. I had a problem with the Colbert report. I, yeah. the, the secondhand embarrassment was too much for me. Uh, <laughs> like it was just, it was, it was yeah. too much. Like, it, it, like 
real people not like interacting with Colbert when he was, you know, and not knowing that it was a bit. Even if they did, it was even worse when they did, because that's <laughs> a weird, like that's a very weird thing to have to like try to match energies with someone you know is is playing a character. I agree. But I agree. Smart, the character is smart enough to catch you in a lie. It's too, it was. I know it was, what you're saying. It was, it was a trap. <laughs> I never would have gone on that show. But, but I, I do. Love, I love him, and I think he's spectacular. I I love him too. I think he's spectacular, and I also think he's one of the few people that physically enters a scene and I'm already laughing. I don't know what it is about the space he exi- that he that he exists in. It the first scene in this pilot at the school. Well, first of all, it should be said that like this movie, this movie, this show feels brilliant from the jump. Right, like from the second you press play, <laughs> I, I literally was just like, "Oh my god, how have I not watched this before? Like, how have I not seen this before? This this thing feels so perfect from the jump." But the credits are amazing. The credits are like these like after school special kind of like Degrassi Junior High credits that are just incredible. <laughs> um, Amy Sedaris's look is just phenomenal. As we mentioned, her makeup is insane. Her fashion, all of it. They're in a classroom. The very first scene. Uh, at the end of the scene, she's walking out. Colbert says to her something about the classes that, or she's late oh, for class, so or she has to do something. Her immediate line is, "I'm having my uterus scraped. I brought a note." <laughs> and then Colbert says, "I read the note. We all read the note." <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the way he delivers it, the way he says, like, there's some. It's what you were saying, sort of, Kenny, of like, there's a humanity to him. Like there's this human quality to him. He feels like a real person, but he's heightened enough that he's mm-hmm. absolutely hilarious. All the, I mean, again, Kenny not only watched the first two episodes, but the runner with him and the other co-creator, Danello, mm-hmm. as these gay lovers that yes. are constantly in places that clearly <laughs> they're gay. And that's, I mean, it is just phenomenal. I just, I love it yeah. so much. I think watching, I was, I was a huge, huge fan of um, Colbert Report. I actually loved him in character, but we can save that for another episode. <laughs> um, and I think you can see kind of the kernels of that character in, in his character in Strange with Candy, who has the incredible name of Chuck Noblet. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of this what's the other teacher's hunt. name it's like oh, another, Joffrey Jellyneck. I Jelly mean the names, the names the names on this show across the board are just genius inspired so funny but Ugh. Chuck Nobla is this history professor and he's a little bit of a blowhard who says things a lot like the Colbert character with utmost confidence but also without actual knowledge um you know he says some very kind of I would say hard right-wing things throughout <laughs> the course of the season did you um, catch did you catch it on the corner of his blackboard yes, he had a running he was, like, tab of, of the races of his students <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> filipino had a zero and a big line right and the, yes and he yeah, had you know he what does he say about heroes oh that maybe that's a later episode no no anyway. the, the first thing is about the internment camps and the internment never camps, forget right. the atrocities the japanese did to you know dip yes. on our boys or whatever <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, the japanese treated our boys so yeah, you can see you can see kind of the kernels of it, and just there's just little gags like um, 
in that first episode, I think he whips out a calculator. Do you guys remember this? And yes, and he mashes it with his fingers. the back. Which is, <laughs> yes, which was definitely a Colbert Report kind of running thing. So there's a lot of, and even just in sort of the turns of phrase they use on the show a lot. Um, it's a very Colbert thing. I imagine that was maybe his influence, but um, the jelly neck love affair is just an incredible running gag throughout the show. Um, there were, so you really mentioned comes, the names, so well, it's worth real, mentioning. Yeah. Real fast before we yeah. get to Jelly Neck. <laughs> there are a few things early in the episode where, uh, in the first episode, where all my concerns about this being, um, obviously I have a real thing about secondhand embarrassment. So uh, th- th- this would be like embarrassing <laughs> to watch. We're alleviated very quickly. Because one was uh, the, the scraping of the uter- uterus. Another one was that she that she was already failing, even though it's only the third day of school. <laughs> Another one was the way he hit the calculator with the backs of his fingers. And then the one that fingers. really like fucking knocked me off my feet mm. was uh, her dad. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Oh, yeah. Is he taxidermy? Is that basically no, no, no? He's he's alive because he keeps doing stuff. <laughs> he gives the brother but money. He pulls him back. He picks yeah, up. How do we even explain car. it? Yeah, if it's, you haven't seen he's frozen. This. He's and I actually googled the actor. I guess he was like an old old vaudeville actor, and Eddie Cantor uh-huh. was his father in law. Sorry, I went down a hole about. Amazing. So he, he, every time we see him, he is frozen with like his mouth open in some kind of like motion. He but, does you know, look taxidermy. He does, right? Yes, not, he looks, yes, okay. and he's so so incredibly still. And yeah. presumably, he he um, interacts with other people, but we never see it. You know, there's scenes where he'll supposedly be on the phone with someone, but mm-hmm. you only see the person he's talking to and not him. So it's just this running gag that's never explained that he's it's, well, suspended animation or something. That, for whatever reason, <clears throat> that because they they wait a minute to reveal it to reveal it. he <laughs> yeah. comes in and starts talking to her dad and they wait a minute to reveal it and i was that's i, I was very nervous i'm like there's nothing new here we have seen all the bad dads and all the bad spoofs like this is <laughs> the, this is going to be something i've seen before and something i found off and it was something just so simple and beautiful about the dad the Four thousand year old dad. Because I, I should note, he's four thousand yeah. years old. He's four thousand years old. Yeah. He's uh, he's quite old. <laughs> so old. Who doesn't like eighty? Yeah. I don't even yeah. understand it. I mean, I think I do, like <laughs> uh, on a cellular level. But that was what I'm like. All right, so this show is for me. I got it. Like, I yeah. yeah. The reason I thought he was taxidermy, for what it's worth, is because <laughs> the re- the reveal of him, he's surrounded by taxidermied animals. <laughs> And so <laughs> I was fair. like, oh, he must have been taxidermied himself. Now, what I love is that they apparently, so they killed off Guy, that's the father's, the character's name, in the second season because the creators rented up ideas for him. And they literally <laughs> said, they described Guy as going from the easiest character to write to the hardest character to write. And I can <laughs> see that, right? Like, at first, I'm just, you know, I'm assuming, Kenny, in a comedy room, you're just like, well, this is this is a great bit, right? Like, we can do this forever. And then at a certain know. point, you just have to be like, I don't, what are we going to do with this? This, this is the... Can't, this is the kind of thing that dies the moment you say it in 99.99% of comedy rooms. Like, this is the kind of thing where, like, someone would, like, I don't know, this might be a crazy idea. He never moves. 
Right, right. How would you would, even pitch it? Yeah, yeah. people would be like, I mean, what? No, no, it's, bear with me. He's a crazy look on his face, but he never, act, when the camera's on him, he just, he looks like he just saw Great Caesar's Ghost. And, uh, and that's it. And, and, uh, and every, I, I mean. But what's great is that his movements are incredibly fast. Yeah. So, like, but, the money, like, whips up real quick. Well, or, like, right. when he takes her up at the motel, he pulls up real quick. It's right. like, it's just, I, I just, it's such a testament. It's fucking funny. When we were talking about earlier, uh, talking earlier about how it seems like they have that mind meld thing going all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you only have that mind meld thing when you're willing to go there with your co-creators and someone had to say that ridiculous idea and someone had to take it seriously and build on it and then someone else had to take it seriously and build mm-hmm. and they had that moment where like are we really doing this uh which is the best moment in tv when like when you when when you get people to agree on something that's new uh it's right. like the best moment because i don't know you're gonna it's, it's like thelma and louisa you're gonna go into this drive to this breach together it's, I, it's really something special. I love that also that GQ article, which people should check out. Um, there's a quote in there where Amy says they were like Paul and Stephen were like the woodchoppers and she's the one who like decorates the tree. Like she's kind of chaotic and like is great. It yeah, sort of yeah. flourishes and they sort of get the structure of it somehow. I just love that um, analogy, metaphor, whatever it is. Um, I think it's so, uh, <laughs> I think it's so revelatory. And I, and I love sort of the way that different comedic sensibilities mash together um, is so, is so interesting to me. Cause Amy, I don't know if you guys have seen her other stuff like at home, which is a show she had a couple years mm-hmm. ago, which was really funny. And it has the same kind of um, like homespun weirdness as this show, like that kind of, you know, surreal yet also strangely kind of wholesome, like, um, <laughs> sensibility um as this but then it doesn't have kind of i don't know it doesn't quite as go to so many weird places but yet is also deeply strange um and you can see kind of how this and colbert mashed together gets you strange with candy it's it's really absolutely it's it's you know it's also one of those things where when you when you actually like lay out what's happening in the episodes like in this episode she makes these drugs called <laughs> glint, it? glint the glint, glint sure glint. she makes glint and she gives it to poppy her nemesis but also the person she really wants to be friends with well that's you know that's classic slash slash yeah. also maybe have sex <laughs> also slash 100 oh, uh, that's the other thing too like jerry's so horny all the time it feels <laughs> all like, the time like she's yeah. just and she's trying to have sex with high schoolers well she was a crack whore i mean you know <laughs> She is. They can't teach an old dog new tricks. (laughs) (laughs) Polyamorous crack whore. She's great. She's 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 brilliant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she gives Poppy the glint. Poppy gets super high. There's an amazing (laughs) shot, which I actually really wonder how they did. Oh, I feel the same way. Of the rope. Oh yeah. Poppy climbs the rope at like. Superhuman warp speed, <laughs> but in a way that it didn't look like some kind of cartoon no. joke. It, it yeah. looked like it looked like they just got Simone Biles to do it. You know, yeah, it, was like, <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. And then Poppy thinks she's a bumblebee and she tries to run inside a keyhole and dies. Is <laughs> put in a coma, and then Poppy oh. goes to the hospital to, to unplug her, 
but it turns right. out the poppy was already dead so she's she doesn't have to do that um <laughs> right. it's and then she has a party slash wake for, for, for poppy. poppy yeah um and then people get high at the party and they accidentally kill her pet turtle shelly that was so <laughs> fucking funny we should say like jerry's jerry's motive yeah jerry's like her motivation is popularity like she just is dying to be popular now that she's 46 and she's back in high school and that's kind of her one one driving force that drives everything she does i'm not 46 (laughs) but i'm not far off and i dream about being in high school or college (laughs) almost every night for instance, last night I dreamed about being in college, and the nightmare of the dream was that I got uh, I, there was a secret society that my cousin was starting, and he didn't let me in. So I too dream about being popular, and I could really relate to Jerry's plight. Even as a forty, I'm a forty year old. Even as a forty year old, yep. uh, if I went back to high school, like. I would 100% care about being popular. It is. Yeah. It's amazing how um, how much that's in your DNA to some degree, right? Like part of it is just you you never fully get over high school to some degree or another. Like because it's adolescence, because it's so formative, because of all that. I think that for a lot of people, um, they still long for that acceptance, right? So the show being hardwired into that idea that Jerry is looking for acceptance, it just makes it so human, right? Like, I think that there's something, I literally just watched a TikTok the other day of this woman who probably is in her 30s and was walking down the street and was just basically said that I was walking down the street and some teenager was like, that outfit's awesome or you look really cool or something like that. And she's just like, it was a dream come true. She's just like, yes. all I want is for kids to think I'm cool for five minutes <laughs> and it'll be, and it's, it's, and I think that we all still long for that. And Jerry, who is this, obviously this like over the top cartoonish 47 year old crack whore who's back in <laughs> high school uh, still has that, right? Like that makes her so, I, I just think it makes her so human. I, yeah. I, even if she is literally, it feels like a living cartoon character. You guys don't dream about being in high school or college? I have like anxiety dreams where I'm in high school or college and I have to, you know, I have an exam that I'm not yeah, ready for. Yes, you sure, know, like, sure, sure, sure. Yes, 100%. And at some point, Meredith, I always remember in the context of my dream that I am actually an adult. I've <laughs> yeah. done this before. Sure. I don't need to be here. Like yeah. I like I've already graduated and I'm here kind of voluntarily because I don't have a job. So mm-hmm. I should like do something, you know, <laughs> constructive and high school is very hard. And I, and, and I think I plan to leave and then I wake up, but yeah, I, I almost every single night it's, I have four classes but, I've only gone to one, three of them. I'm going to fail. Uh, and, but don't you think that this is evergreen? Like, I feel like every few years, I mean, I think there's one on right now on Netflix with Rebecca Wilson, where she goes back to high school. Like, I feel oh, as though yeah. I think it might be a movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, movie just yeah. came out. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's exactly 17 again that, you're in right. 2009, right? Like never been kissed with right. Never been kissed. Which was, that's 99 yeah. as well, we, which we covered a little while ago. <laughs> um, it, it, there is something so it's it's wish fulfillment to some degree, mm-hmm. right? Because we all wish that we could go back and 
know what we know now and go back and do it all again, but do it right this time, right? Um, mm-hmm. The whole youth is wasted on the young thing. And I think that it's just, it's, 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 it, yeah. I mean, of course, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to be able to relive that stuff? So I think that all that stuff is, is so evergreen. There'll always be something in the ether about that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sorry, the, the, the Rebel Wilson one is she is in a coma for a period of time. <laughs> sure, sure. And then wakes, it, wakes from the coma and goes back to, to high school to finish it out. If you guys were in a coma, <laughs> From you know your sophomore or junior year in high school, and you woke up ten years later. Would you bother going back? Probably not. Good question. Um, <laughs> it's important to have a high school degree in 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 our you know our society. Yeah. Yeah. After I, ten years in a comatose state, yeah. yeah. Um, I it would probably be important, especially after ten years out of the job market, to have a high school degree. <laughs> but I don't know. Not, 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 I, I feel like I feel like I've tried to find a loophole, but it, it, it really happened to me. Yeah, I'm going to some I'm going to some GED classes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. doing it online. Yeah. I'm not. Gonna, I mean, <laughs> yes. if I yeah, yeah. if I all of a sudden, I mean, this is this is part of why I think that this show is so amazing too, right? Mm-hmm. And it's why um, that Jerry has no problem with being 46 and looking how she is, and <laughs> and and trying to become friends with a bunch of teenagers like mm-hmm. th- there is there is that lovely sort of bubble that she lives in of of delusion I guess to some degree or another that makes it so special right whereas yeah. like if you look at something like Never Been Kissed which is a good example where I-, I like Never Been Kissed I just certainly didn't hate it I think Kenny and I were kind of on the same page about sort of its flaws but um it's too aware of itself like she's too aware of what she's doing like the unawareness of Jerry makes this so much more enjoyable to watch. Yes. Right? And I think there's this weird, also the unawareness of everyone else that Jerry's maybe kind of weird. Like yeah. for a 46 year old, um, you know, ex-convict, she is surprisingly accepted. <laughs> like, you know, she'll riff um, some of the funniest moments of the thing where she sort of goes into her like streetwise, um, yes, you yes. know, monologues. Yeah. Of, like in episode yeah. two, Episode two, Jerry has to watch a baby. It's like uh it's kind of a, it's dizzy. kind of a spoof of yeah, dizzy. It's a spoof of like the sitcom trope of when you get an egg and you have to take yeah. care of the egg, so it'll teach you a lesson about being a parent. Only on this show, they give her an actual baby. And yeah. she's walking around the baby and she's going on about how she could get 70 G's for it on the black market and it gets flies <laughs> and twice that much. And it's so funny. And just she says stuff like that all the time, and she'll make references <sighs> to like um the donkey show in Tijuana that she worked in all these like crazy lurid um, experiences and no one ever really looks at her like it's a strange or weird, you know, they just, she just is Jerry. And that's, I think that makes it so much funnier. Um, Absolutely. Also because everyone in the show is incredibly strange too. They're all strange in different ways. Yeah. Um, That baby reveal is, is it's, it's, I mean, in order to help you learn to take, Care of a ten pound baby, we're going to give you. It's and it is a very cute baby, I should say. It is a cute baby. It's so fun. It's like it's like Jim Gaffigan's joke about having four kids. Are you aware of this? Have I said this on the podcast? I don't know. It's the best joke ever told. Uh, It's the the joke is people at because Jim Gaffigan now has like six kids apparently, Um, but they ask him what it was like to have his fourth kid, and he's like, "Imagine you were drowning and someone threw you a baby." 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, so uh, I, to, to wrap up what happens in, in, at the end of episode one before we jump into two, oh, yeah, I'll sorry. just say that uh, Poppy dies. Uh, Jerry mixes Poppy's ashes with her mother's and says, now don't stay up all night yakking you two. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a moment that really captures something about the character and Amy Sedaris's performance because it's very cute. It's a kind of sweet yes. and adorable. Yes. At the same time, it's super dark oh, um, yeah. and sordid. You know, she's mixing ashes of her mother and her pet turtle. Um <laughs> after her friend died of an overdose from homemade drugs, you know, it's like, it's, 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 it's the specificity of a character and the combination of traits just really works because of her performance and the kind of underlying, like barely perceptible at times sweetness um, that Jerry has. You know, you know, it's funny why I think this may not have worked on Comedy Central in 1999. And this is probably a me problem, but I was a pretty typical young white boy living in the suburbs <laughs> jerry looked really old to me when i was young <laughs> and now she looks like people i know yeah. yes. so it's it, it is a little different because uh back then i mean it, it felt like this was completely unrelatable and now it feels like it's a little too relatable uh-huh. so i yeah. do think that there there I don't really know who the audience was at the time outside of people who really love comedy and are willing to go wherever brilliant comedians go. But in terms of that, you know, outside that very small sliver of the population, who's ready to consume this the way people consume South Park? Um, I don't know if there's really anybody. So I think that Mm -hmm. might've been a big, a big barrier. The other barrier that I, I, neglected to mention is comedy central's uh marketing at the time was deplorable yeah i mean just embarrassing made everything look horrible yeah they did make a movie in 05 um for comedy central uh no it was a theatrical release um did you see that i did yeah it was uh it made just shy of three million (laughs) dollars um it it, i mean i i it, it is kind of in its own weird way, kind of beloved by fans of the show. When it came out, however, uh, it was not embraced uh, by critics, and and obviously it, it didn't do particularly well. I think it's got 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Um, I mean, I, what, what were your thoughts on the movie? Did you feel like it scratched the itch that you were looking for or? Yes, but I, it's not really something I've ever really gone back to since. You know, I think it was one of those things where I was a fan. I was hungry for more. Um, it came out right around the time I was constantly watching it <laughs> on DVD. So I just wanted a little more. And the, the, the finale is a finale, but it's a little abrupt. And, um, you know, I was happy to spend an hour and a half or however long the movie is with sure. the characters. And if it didn't all work together and it just felt like an extended, messy episode, I was kind of fine with that. <laughs> I wasn't asking yeah. for that much, you know, and I think it's like a lot of, um, this is not a sketch show, but it's like a lot of SNL sketches turned movies where you're like, I don't know if this needed to exist, but I'm kind of fine with it existing. No, <laughs> um, sure. is how I feel about the movie. Um, and the movie has like, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it. You know, she gets like her, her celebrity friends to, to turn up, which is really funny. Oh, I mean, um, listen, listen to this cast. It's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, Allison Chaney, Matthew sure. Broderick, Sarah Jessica Parker, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Justin Theroux, Chris Pratt, Ian Holm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ian Holm just uh, coming in there to. I mean, I I definitely will check. I mean, first and foremost, it should be said that I will definitely continue to watch this show. Like, I do yeah. feel like I need to to see uh, as much of it as I can, and I do want to check out the movie. I do think that uh. It's interesting that in 05, this film gets made, right? Like, I think that today you'd probably get, you know, a Netflix, you know, reboot or, you know, revival, what have you. I I do think that um, it's interesting that it comes out in 05. It's produced by Colbert and David Letterman. Um, And, you know, it's, I just think it's interesting. It feels like there was obviously a a love for the show. I mean, we have had, you know, we've had like the, the the Firefly movie and like these movies that come out based, you know, even the Veronica Mars, which was basically Kickstarter. Like you mm. do get these things, these like beloved TV shows that get a movie, but like the movie's never really what you want it to be. And you're just sort of like, you're trying to rekindle a thing that just, it's the same with these revivals, quite frankly, where you're just like, you're trying to kind of bring something back and it's. It's like, who was it? I think it was uh, Emily Nussbaum said when I, I did a Sex in the City episode with her and she said, um, it's like Pet Cemetery. you know? It's like they, they come back different. <laughs> right, um, right. They're just, they're, they're, they never, it just doesn't feel the same. Um, yeah. So I, I, I want to talk for a quick second about the opening of the second episode, which I absolutely adored, which was the <laughs> urinal bathroom scene between yes. Colbert and Danello. They're uh-huh. both, so basically Colbert, Colbert is peeing in a urinal and the other urinals are <laughs> in a very dark, a very dark, <laughs> very dark, very dark. dark is it like a park bathroom? I'm not sure. You're never really like, sure. Yeah, I it, think it, it was because the ki- they yeah. both had kids playing. I think they, oh, that's right. They maybe yeah. even said it was at the park, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and only one urinal is working. Danello is right behind him, like giving him no <laughs> right. personal space. Right. Colbert is peeing for a very long time. They're chatting <laughs> yeah. about their wives both dying under mysterious circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say she went quick. <laughs> Let's and just then... say she went quick. And then the other Danello's like, she was murdered. I, and, 
I yeah, never, so. I never have this kind of recall for stuff we're doing. I really think I like this show. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the line he says, sometimes that can be worse than divorce or something like that. Yeah. It's yeah. So funny. But the scene ends perfectly with Colbert jumping on his shoulders, <laughs> smashing the light bulb above them so that they can make out in the darkness. The camera pulls into the stall and Jerry's smoking a cigarette in the bathroom stall. It's just perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> I love it. And then she goes on her monologue. Yeah, she yeah. does that. I'm a 40 It's just the, the clumsiness, the perfectness of Colbert jumping on his shoulders to smash the light bulb with his jacket. Like, she could turn off the light. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> But it's such everything no, about the awesome. scene is just is absolutely. I, he didn't seem clumsy to me. He seemed agile. When he, <laughs> that was like Michael Jordan. Like I mean, it was beautiful. Uh, yeah. It's it is a perfect scene. Everything about it is amazing. Uh, Colbert, they're both just I I, I and and it, it tees up the runner throughout this episode, and what I can only assume is the series of their obviously their love affair that continues throughout the show. But like. That the baby's found in a park at 3 a.m. And that's how they... <laughs> they just the happen to be there. Yeah. They happen yeah. to be there. Uh, the principal says, that's a good question. Why were you there? And then they just run out of the room. Yeah. The, the, uh, <laughs> how, about the, how about the principal, though? Oh. oh. Blackman. Principal Blackman. That guy is so funny. I couldn't... He's amazing. He, he wasn't... He really hasn't done other stuff. I, I, I did like a little piece of into him. His name's uh, Gregory Holloman. And he was like a Second City guy. He was just oh, like was one of, he? yeah, he's just one of their guys, and they and but that's like nothing like he doesn't sound like that at all, and the, he speaks like with the most over the top affected, oh, intellectual uh-huh. accent, and he has pictures of himself all over the school in the <laughs> suit. It's so funny, and he's so tall. It, it's it very, very tall. Too, I, I wanted to mention this earlier um, when we, when you were talking about the names, Meredith. But mm. Jerry Blank came from the fact that they didn't have a last name for her, so they put Jerry <laughs> I didn't know that. and a blank space, and oh then they were just like, "Fuck it, I guess her name's Jerry Blank." But which it's I think so is perfect. Amazing. It is right. Blank. Yeah, Blank yeah. is a great last name for uh, <laughs> any, any character. Yeah. It's it's amazing. So at this point, uh, Jerry is in her reproductive health class. As as uh, as Kenny mentioned, she's handed a ten pound baby um, and has to take care of it. Uh, she goes to the library to research having a baby, where she watches some sort of a video oh on like a micro. It's like a yeah film strip, yeah. And the the basically you don't see it, you just hear it, but it's a male voice saying stuff like maybe you chased him off with your shifting moods. <laughs> Anyway, he's gone now. Good luck. <laughs> and frankly, blame him. Right. <laughs> this is ostensibly to teach her about being a, a single mother, right? Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, because the principal just says, <laughs> he says you could learn more about it at the library. And she goes, she's just like, it was so strange. And she goes, I will go out there. Straight to camera. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's incredible um then jerry so basically jerry's so bad with the kid leaves the kid in the park that they pair her up with another student so that hopefully you know the two of them can get through this assignment together tammy tammy little nut who becomes a a (laughs) who is <laughs> He's I know, a very so earnest child who wants to do a good job at this at this assignment. <laughs> yeah. Which Jerry 
quickly becomes an abusive husband too. <laughs> very, very quickly. Yes. Yes. Uh, and and screams at her in the in the cafeteria, throws milk mm. at her, uh, <laughs> says, "Is that how they say hi in Horville?" Um, <laughs> and she kind of like it's it's probably like a three minute scene where she sort of love bombs her, and then and then Tammy, you know, it's like very like a super accelerated abusive relationship where Tammy goes to get a carton of milk, takes too long, then Jerry starts you know freaking out and. Um, you know, builds her up, tears her down, builds her up, and then, you know, the, the gist is that she's an abusive husband to her co-parent. Um, and this then, and then lures baby. her to a motel where she yes, tries this... to seduce her. <laughs> and she's crimped her hair, which is how you the know she's ready. incredible. Yeah, and she's wearing, like, a kind of um, gold like tracksuit yeah yeah and she's got the vice channel on which is such a funny reference um (laughs) where she says something like you can't see everything but you can still see a fair amount of pink which i'm just like (laughs) this is crazy it's incredible yeah that this got got past the the network censors yeah then she says so jerry's hair is unbelievable then they get into a fight and tammy says you're crazy and jerry says pee on me (laughs) <laughs> I forgot about that part. It's so I love how deeply freaky Jerry is. Like she is just an unrepentant, like freak. It's amazing. It's incredible. Um, yeah, she's one yeah. of. I mean, and I, I honestly think Kenny that she might be one of the greatest characters of television in 1999. Yeah. Like she, she definitely is. Like she be on, she might be Mount Rushmore '99 characters. Like it's we we have a we have so we did a um uh, a print with a with a oh I agree with that. you're saying and you're saying the, the right oh hundred percent so, so we yes. did we we did a uh, <laughs> we did a print of 1999 film characters like the you know all, all, you know what we think are some of the best and we're doing a TV print where we've picked the characters and and I got to tell you Kenny. She has to feel like there. we have to put no Jerry question. on there, right? No I got to reach out to Brianna and see if we can if we can get her on there because right now <laughs> it's um, it's obviously Tony Soprano, oh, President mm-hmm. Bartlett, Sarah Jessica Parker, Carrie Bradshaw, uh, Felicity, SpongeBob SquarePants, <laughs> and <laughs> Kenny's nodding in approval. Uh, I think it's there's one more that I'm forgetting if I'm not mistaken or maybe not. I feel like we got to get Jerry on there. We didn't do um. We didn't do Martin Starr from Freaks and Geeks. Oh, from Freaks and Geeks, we should have. I'm gonna reach out to Brianna. Long story short, I just feel like Jerry now to me is such a fully realized, mm. unbelievable character that I'm just like, I I I can't believe she wasn't in my life before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm just so kind of taken with what she brings to this character what Amy Sedaris is doing. I was thinking the other day as I was watching this about how much her cheeks must hurt from the way that she does this <laughs> weird like yeah, overbite yeah, thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She does it's, this very it's, aggressive uh, overbite. And it's it's actually incredible like because Amy Sedaris a lot all of her she does a lot of these very outlandish characters and almost all of them are kind of grotesque in some way. Um, but then you see her and she is like a very conventionally attractive person. And it's, yeah. uh, it's like sort of sh- a shock to the system. There's an episode later on, um, actually the finale. And you see, you see her sort of 
normal. You know, Jerry, Winona Ryder comes to town and she's like the new cool girl at school and she takes Jerry under her wing and she gets a makeover and you, she comes out and you're like, oh my God, wait, that's what Amy Sedaris actually looks like. <laughs> it's, it's incredible, yeah. but she really seems to um, thrive on making herself like super gross looking <laughs> there's yeah, almost like a yeah. she has like a john water there's like a john water sensibility yes, to her yes. i don't know it's it's there's the real and i think maybe that's why going back to the thing about comedy central like it's definitely like too strange in some ways even for comedy central at that time you know comedy central at the time was irreverent but it was like the man show it was south park it was a little broy, right like yeah, it wasn't yeah. and strangers with candy is definitely not broy. i would say <laughs> No, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's very big hearted, which you mentioned yeah. earlier. Like it's, it's, yeah. it is earnest in its own way. And part of that I think is because I think that all these people are heartfelt, but then on top of it, the source material of these after school specials are so earnest, right? Like they're mm-hmm. all dialed up to 11. All of these emotions are on their sleeve. So there is something they're, they're kind of metatextually playing with that notion as well, to some degree or another. I, I think it's really, I really do think it is groundbreaking. And I do wonder, you know, obviously Kenny alluded to like how much more successful the show could have been, you know, say three, four, five years later. But then I also wonder whether or not the things that came after it could have existed without this. Like it does yeah. feel like this show was the tip of the spear of doing what it did. Mm-hmm. Like, I do wonder if that, you know, I don't want to say does South Park exist without this because I think it's doing different stuff, but I just do wonder whether or not you need this as the baton that's being mm-hmm. passed a little South, bit. Mm-hmm. South Park predated this, but still, right, 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 there is that idea of, you know, I don't know. This doesn't feel like it's kind of in the same vein as that. We're, you know, there's a show that I love that feels mm-hmm. very similar to this, which is Get a Life with Chris. Oh, yep. Uh-huh. Which is also, I don't know if this show was produced by Worldwide Pants, but that was a I think it pants. was. I, I think, think it, it was. Oh, you mean you mean Strangers with Candy? Yes. I don't know. She was she was also, you know, you guys probably know this. She was like Letterman's favorite guest. Yes. She was sort of yeah, that was he, kind of her claim to fame her. for, for so a long it's, time. It's kind of that same Letterman sensibility. And you see it mm-hmm. in a show, and it's why he's the best ever, because somehow he made that mainstream, which is insane. Yeah, uh, but it's the same sensibility. Get a life, I think, was mid '90s, maybe even early '90s, and that was my first glimpse into uh, a, a show created by people who didn't give a shit. Right, and there was stuff even a little before that. Like I think uh, Gary Shandling's first show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. Gary's show, or it's yep. Gary's it's the Gary Shandling show, or something yeah, like that. It's, yeah, it's the. Uh, that was a little bit like that. And, then and it's other- all very, it's all very playing with TV conventions in a self-conscious way. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then taking it two or three steps beyond even what, you know, your typical like clever spoof would do. Um, you know, a, I, so they're, they're very, I, I mean, Strangers with Candy is a, now those are both multi-camp shows. Uh, Stranger with Candy, Stranger with Candy feels like a more fully realized version of those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. you know. It doesn't have a laugh track, which I, which I, I guess noticed. Yeah. <laughs> it would be weird with a laugh track, I guess. On a, on a single cam, it would be weird, but yeah, they did that sometimes. They did uh, back then, and it's just, and I think this in the moment, it's kind of to its detriment because the the unreality of a multi cam 
I think lends itself to playing with the form a little more, at least at the time, than the reality of a single can. Mm -hmm. So it almost didn't feel like it was that crazy based on the app, based on the marketing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, yeah, but it, it feels like very much of like that, you know, under that, that undercurrent of alternative comedy, breaking down the structure and form of your, your typical TV and typical TV tropes, uh, in a really, you know, fully realized form, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at the, at worldwide pants <clears throat> excuse me, productions, which, you know, obviously mostly revolve around, um, late night shows. So Tom Snyder, Craig Kilborn, uh, uh, Craig Ferguson. I, I, for some reason, didn't know they produced Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, oh. Which, I mean, wow. That worked out well for them. Yeah, I, was, I mean, <laughs> if you're, I, I just, I truly had no idea that they were producers on that. So, I mean, that is a, a I mean, enormous success, obviously. He's got, do you remember the show Knights of Prosperity, Kenny, which existed in 07 very briefly? They produced uh, that. What was that? that? Was that the Let's Rob Mick Jagger show? Uh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Donald Logue, Sofia Vergara. Yeah. Uh, Vergara, yeah. Very, very weird uh, show. Very strange show. So that existed for a heartbeat. Ed was the other kind of claim to fame. That ran for yeah. seasons, and that was a show that I remember people and, really loved. And that was like very much, for whatever reason, like Letterman like fronted that in, in a yes. way, you know? Like, yes. He, yes. I forgot who the actor was. He loved that actor. Oh, but, God. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? And I think uh, that, Tom Cavanaugh. That, Tom, Tom Cavanaugh. And that felt like Letterman was like, this is who I am. Like, this is, you know, me me from Indiana, old David Letterman. 100%. Away oh, shucks. Else. Right. And, yeah. like, and he got the Foo Fighters to do the theme song because he's the biggest Foo Fighters fan. Uh, he loves the Foo Fighters. But, uh, yeah, it's just really, <laughs> I, I agree with you, Kenny. That very much felt like, the David Letterman show in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. It, it's it's you know hasn't produced much, but listen, if you produce uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, you don't have to produce much. That'll keep the lights uh, on. Yeah, that'll keep the lights on and then some. But I I, I do <laughs> think that um, that Strangers with Candy, to your point, Kenny, does feel like Letterman's sensibility a little bit, his comedic yeah. sensibility yeah. of that sort of off kilter strange unsure of what's coming down the pike kind of thing um and the amy sedaris thing i think is really fascinating too because i do think that like she is an icon unto herself right and yet if you look at amy sedaris's credits per se like she doesn't have anything that like really kind like enormously successful do you know what i'm saying and i don't say that with any slight you know she has i i interviewed her a couple years ago when she was doing at home and she has I think personally I don't ever want to be famous but if I ever were I would want like her exact level of fame which is if you look at her IMDB she's just constantly working yes yes, constantly and but she's almost never kind of the central character she's either a guest star she's a voice Mm -hmm. character um you know so she she's probably financially comfortable and beyond that but like but, you know, she doesn't ever have to be accosted in public by people except people who know who she is and appreciate her work, yep. um, her sensibility. You know, she's not just getting random strangers following her. You know, it seems to me like she's really figured out the exact perfect level of notoriety. Um, 
And you know, when I, I totally talked to her, she was she was saying that she was sort of happy to have a show on True TV because nobody really watched it. Like I think she's very content. <laughs> um, and she was really open That's about it. I she want. was like, I don't need. Yeah, she was like, I don't even know how you watch it. Like I'm not really sure. And she was fine with that. Um, you know, because so, someone pay me to shout in the void, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, is, I, you know, I, the other thing Amy Sedaris did was she was a. Uh, the voice I think was, was Princess Sparkles from there. Princess Carolyn. Princess on Carolyn. Bojack. Yeah, Bojack, yeah. which is an you know that plus Will Arnett. That's an interesting signaling of what this show is going to be. Sure, which is sure, what sure. it yeah. was. You know, it was a very much a a cartoon version of playing with the tropes of. Is of she a rugrat? Am I making that up? Is she a rugrat? Oh, she has done a lot of. I feel no, like she I, could she, be a rugrat. She has done a lot of voice work. I think she did a, oh God, I had it pulled up before, but now I closed no it. Um, she did do some, some not Rugrats. I'm going to remember it as soon as we log I'm, off. I'm, but, I'm pulling it up. For, um, she does do a lot of like voice stuff. Bubble Guppies. Bubble Guppies. That's what it is. Bubble <laughs> Guppies. I don't know what Bubble Guppies is. That's great a, that's great a, like show. A kid show. Yeah. It's, it's a kid's show, Kenny? Not as good as Octonauts, but it's, it's, it's perfectly fine. Not as yeah, good as she's done. I mean, it's it's insane it. how much how much television she's done. But you know, she pops up on Sex and the City for four episodes. Yeah, um, she was on Ed. There you go for two episodes. She's on Kimmy Schmidt for a couple episodes. Yeah, yeah. she was on Wonder Chosen. Um, she's yeah. I mean, it's it's really yeah. She's obviously just working, you know, and as she should. I think you know it, it is interesting to speak of the level of fame that you were talking about. Meredith, like when she shows up and stuff, I often go like, wow, they got Amy Sedaris. Like it feels (laughs) like a coup. Like it feels like a thing. And yet at the same time, you're just like, but she's also just not in that much. Like she has become, you said it perfectly, the perfect amount of fame, which is that she means something to the people that she should mean something to. And thus, you know, she's figured it out. There's something about casting a guest star who you know and has proven to be a genius in her own right it's like whenever a show or a movie got carrie fisher it's like oh carrie fisher read this and decided this was worthy of her time it got knighted yeah maybe we should pay attention and i think it's that's a similar thing with amy sedaris which is like oh she's spending time on this Hmm. <laughs> it's I true like, like i feel the way about wanda sykes i feel it's like oh yeah. wanda yes. sykes got out of bed for this yep. okay maybe we should yep. watch it's it. worth watching yeah, yeah. when she yeah. showed up on the other two for instance i was like yes. okay. yeah oh that's an exactly incredible that. show yeah amazing we, show. we love that show that's exactly how i felt with that i'm like yeah oh this has to be something serious like she, yeah. she i just know she's not wasting your time with something that sucks <laughs> an incredible show that started speaking of comedy central yeah. going go where did they go started on comedy central and then landed over on hbo max yeah that's God true going that's on true central. um i, I don't yeah. know how that happened is it not a paradox show it's I that, that's very weird to me that's yeah. especially in this day and age where like if you don't own it in its entirety it's like they don't they, i'm amazed very few movements yeah, yeah. I, I mean the other two is you know not nearly as heightened as this show no. as strangers mm-hmm. with candy but does exist in a sort of similar lane of of kind of anything goes a little bit mm-hmm. like i think that show mm-hmm. is also taking some swings um yeah, i think definitely. search party is another one that feels mm-hmm. similarly kind of um the, crazy that, in that respect those two shows are, are, are truly incredible and what's so upsetting about both of them is it, they feel grounded <laughs> like it's, it's this 
just in general it's like the 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 <laughs> thing with the other two that's so weird is like they do some wacky stuff but it always kind of feels like they're only like half a degree away from reality yeah. oh for sure you yes yeah that's, yeah. Oh, that's like I, and i love it but that's like we are we are so fucking lost as i well, told you guys I, especially i went to a concert last night where a guy <laughs> before, where a guy performed ukulele in an led mask so like yeah. here we are well it should also be said too the other day i texted kenny something i texted you the nicole kidman thing which turned out to not be real oh but good oh thank the god AMC thing? <laughs> that, that she won a pulitzer for the amc commercial <laughs> which started to circulate through twitter right. And it got to such a level that I was like, well, this really happened. Now, it didn't, and I'm thankful for that, but I also feel like it totally could have happened. Like, mm-hmm. that's it. When, when I texted Kenny, his response was, we're so lost. And I agree <laughs> because it did feel real enough that yeah. you were just like, oh, God. It, this it, happened that that well <laughs> it, when you texted it to me my response was we're so lost because it felt it, it, <laughs> right. it felt like something had happened where internet meme yes. culture had Blended taken into, over yes, 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 yes this this high-minded culture in a way where it's like it's it, it reminds me a little bit of like elon musk's tweets where it's like he, <laughs> he like gets the memes but he doesn't get that he's su- not, not supposed to be tweeting yep. them yep. And, yep and it's it's just i, I it, it, like the elon musk meme tweeting is one of like the to me just the most brain breaking things like yeah. go <laughs> to an island please <laughs> Yes. Right. Get out money. of here. Go buy a right. fucking get island. Get out of here. Get away. No, sure. This is so ridiculous. You're buying fucking Tesla for 420.69 cents. Stop it. <laughs> it. The whole thing's insane. <laughs> it is interesting that it feels Twitter, like. Twitter, Tesla. Yes. Yeah, Twister. Yeah, Twitter. I, I, I do think that, you know, part of this show strangers of candy existing back in 1999 and we've talked a fair amount obviously about television in 99 through this podcast and how you know uh freaks and geeks is a perfect example of this as well right these shows that kind of could only exist in this moment and that they really just couldn't exist today mm-hmm. um there is th- th- there is an earnestness there's a, a a levity to it like watching that second episode and i certainly don't want to get too political. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but watching that second episode about con- about reproductive health and contraception and seeing the world we live in right now, or certainly feel like we're on the cusp of right now, yeah. is it, you just go like, this was a joke back then that was like funny. And mm-hmm. now this hits harder because of the world that we live in. It just all the rules of comedy, the rules of, of just pop culture, television, all that kind of stuff is a constantly evolving animal. And it is, it is a mirror onto the world that, that it exists in. Right. So I think mm-hmm. that with a lot of the 99 stuff that we've been watching, Kenny, it all feels so even the Sopranos feels hopeful in comparison to the world that we live in right now. So it's, it's, that's a whole other mind fuck too, to watch something like this and be like, strangers with candy is hopeful where are we like what how how you know what i mean like that that's a whole other thing you know she even has that line in the episode where she's like i've had plenty of babies just none i've carried to term and like i definitely laughed with a little bit of a you know um because it's uh it hits home you're right it does um 
and I just think, um, I don't know, it, it's uh, ahead of its time. Mean, we've said it, it's very ahead of its time in so many ways. I think, um, you know, it's particularly in, in its kind of um, how graphic it is. You know, I think the show is like unrelentingly graphic in a lot of ways that are so funny. And um, again, just an accident of the programming at Comedy Central at the time that no one was really paying much attention. No, no one was minding the store. Yeah, exactly. I think that there are places right now where no one's minding the store, to be honest. Uh, I think if you're if you're big enough and clever enough, you can sneak something in the side door at Tubi, and uh, and, <laughs> and I, I yeah I think Phil, you got to unmute. I have to. Hear yeah, you. I know. I absolutely hear you. I, I I'm sorry. I muted because there's some construction going on outside my window. Um, I I, uh, I agree with you, Kenny. That certainly in the AVOD world right now, you could probably get away with doing some pretty wackadoo stuff for sure. Um, but yeah, it's a it's it's a really um, it's a fascinating thing right now in terms of watching a show like this in the in, in sort of in comparison to what we're making is is interesting um and yeah i don't know i mean do you think that there's anything like this on television right now kenny can you think of or, or meredith can you think of anything like this i was trying to think of even just characters that were like jerry because you know tv went through obviously the anti-hero phase and then we had a lot of sort of complicated comedic female character semi or you know semi-comedic female characters but I don't know that you have anyone any female characters you know protagonists that are as strange as Jerry um I'm trying to think I mean I guess if you take a little bit of um you know uh what's her face Amy Jellico <laughs> from Enlightened and you t- you know you you have to take a lot of different Amy characters Jellico. Yeah, I know. Not Jelly Knack. I, maybe they're related, though. <laughs> um, I don't know. You have to go a long way to get to get to Jerry. Um, can you think of anyone who's sort of the criminal element, the like um, it's, it's super not, horniness? I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely not the same. But it, it's it, not the same. It is. Uh, it is the, the the character I'm thinking of who's not currently at TV, but she was very recently. It was Kimmy Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Who sure, is sure. That same. Yeah. Like, comes from another planet you know, type person. Yeah. yeah. Girls Five Eva has a bit of this vibe. A she, little, I mean, yes. I think that there's, I think yeah. Tina Fey's, yeah, her whole yeah. oeuvre feels like it as has a little did. bit of that. As yes. Tina Fey, you know, was like throughout the run of 30 Rock was able to kind of, with every episode, sneak a little more than before. Uh, she did kind of get here, but um, has always kind of done stuff for, you know, major studios. The, the other thing that I would say is within this realm, which isn't, you know, a narrative is I think you should leave. Mm-hmm. Um, what he does on that is just like, you know, it, it opens my head and just, you know, like pulls at my brain. Yes. Um, yeah. I think that the, uh, the whole, um, uh, forgive me. Why can't I think of his name? The guy who produces uh, John Wilson, John Wilson also kind of fits uh, I mean, in terms of like, mm-hmm. does, like really outside the, he had a, didn't he have a comedy central show? I have I think, I, his name. I think Nathan Fielder, about, Nathan Fielder. That's what I'm oh, yeah. that guy's yeah. the fucking yeah. greatest. Yeah. yeah that, he definitely yeah. has that guy's um, playing, a little bit playing. of the, the, but I, I think that all of this, uh, 
to, to, to wrap up, I feel like all of this speaks to the fact that I do feel like the comedy that we're speaking of, which is definitely out there, is still kind of kissing up against reality, to your point, Kenny, whereas this well, is not really doing I that. was going to say, I don't, you know, I don't really watch these shows, but Comedy Central still does stuff like this. I think um, so. Another period <laughs> is kind of like yes, 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 right. Um, and then there's the one with Daniel Radcliffe in the uh, in the West. Oh yeah, kind of like this. Where they're they're still yeah. always kind of you know messing with with form and messing yeah. with how to spoof today and messing that kind of stuff. Like I mm-hmm. I do think that they they are and will remain a home for mm-hmm. wild ass creators who can bring in an episode of TV for under $500,000. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, drug history was obviously enormous for them too. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, so it's, it, it is, uh, yes, to your point, Kenny, uh, if you can make something kooky and cheap, they'll probably let you take a swing at it. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and add more power to them for it. But um, Meredith, thank you so, so much for coming on and talking about this show with us and quite frankly uh making kenny and i watch it because it is a it is a fucking <laughs> gift you have given us yes um well, you're is, welcome. You know, truly you know kenny and i have a list of sort of you know all the shows that we want to kind of hopefully hit upon throughout the course of this series and this was not on that list so and and that's a weakness on our part for having not seen just how brilliant this show was. Uh, and I'm so thankful uh, for, for you uh, pointing us in that direction, truly. So, Well, I live to serve. <laughs> uh, where, can, where can people find you uh, on, oh. the, on, the, on the socials and what have you? You can, you, find find me find on, you. you can find me on Elon Musk's Twitter at, uh, at, <laughs> at Meredith oh, Blake. <laughs> if, you, if you must. Um, that's probably the easiest way to okay, ask. And at yeah. latimes.com. There you go. More importantly, Very they can read cool. your work at LA Times. Yes. And, uh, and thank you so, so much for coming on. We at really, the really real newspaper it. you work for. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, well thank you, you again, Meredith. Thank you. It's thank been you a pleasure. Right. On. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.